The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on a nasty Tuesday. Here in the Auburn Opelika area, it is rainy. It's not super cold, which is nice, but uh, it's just one of those days where you don't want to get out of bed, and the only reason you do is to move from the bed to the couch, right? Uh, but we got to work on a yeah, Tuesday. I mean, sorry, Jacob. The only way you get out of bed is turn on 106.7 <laughs> ESPN Radio. You don't even have to get out of bed, man. You can pull that up on your phone nowadays. Good point. That's right. Well, as you can hear, Uncle T-Bone's back in the studio with me. My name is Jacob Goins. He is Uncle T-Bone. Uh, he is with me Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Fridays, but was unable to be in yesterday, so he's making up for it today. And man, it's great to have you in the studio. Now there's two of us to be the therapist for Auburn fans. Yesterday was a the yesterday was an interesting show. Yeah, I am sorry I had to miss yesterday. We had a little uh, business that needed to be taken care of out of town, and I can't even imagine what it was like. Uh, you know, just starting this gig and and probably having to miss. Feel, I mean, I was hurting, man. I wish I'd have been in here to help you out because. Like any other Auburn fan, I, Saturday night was just appalling, and there's no other way to, to uh, put it. Um, it was disturbing a little bit. Um, I said it yesterday. It only carries on. It, it'll never probably ever go away, but uh, it better not define Hugh Freeze in this program. I don't think it will. I believe that we'll probably have to fell our souls as fans a little bit more today about it. Yeah. And then I'll be about ready to move on to Iron Bowl after that. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about all of that here on the show today. This is the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. We're inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. Be sure you go and check them out, especially this weekend. Uh, they are uh, just a wonderful sponsor and just a wonderful place to be and hang out over there um, uh, in Midtown, just off of Opelika Road, all those nice white buildings over there, that's where they are. Uh, you can go check them out. They've got a happy hour from 4 to 6 each weekday. They've got the Plaza Patio. Uh, you don't want to miss it. Tons of TVs everywhere. It's really the go-to uh, pre-game and post-game destination for Auburn football. So go check out the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge, and we appreciate them sponsoring our studio each and every day between 2 and 4 p.m. here on ESPN 106.7. A little bit different on this Tuesday. No Daryl Dapperts, no Double D today. I know, I can hear the aws in the background, but... Uh, he is traveling for Thanksgiving. It's that time of the year, that week, right? It's it's kind of crazy, and we respect that and, and, and totally understand. And so uh, we will pick back up with Double D next week on Tuesday. But with that, uh, we're going to talk a ton of Auburn football, of course, get Uncle T-Bone's thoughts, continue to get your thoughts on the phone lines, 
And we've got an interview uh, that I did this morning uh, with Auburn head volleyball coach Brent Crouch once again. And um, they've got two home matches left. I know it's been a little bit of a rough patch for that team, but they've bounced back. They swept LSU over the weekend. They have Alabama this week. So not only for football, it's Alabama week for volleyball on Wednesday and then taking on top 10 Arkansas at home on Friday. So I talked to him this morning. I love Coach Crouch. He is doing wonderful things for that program. And so uh, we'll have that for you coming up in the show today as well but uh, other than that phone lines are open we want to hear from you we had so many calls yesterday and would love to get some more today 334-321-1390 that's the number to get you through to us 334-321-1390 how are you feeling on a Tuesday are you over the loss yet does it still hurt are you still kind of lingering around not really know how to feel about it or are you trying to do like we're doing and, and about this time tomorrow we'll completely move on so give us a call 334-321-1390 uncle t-bone you're here you were not here yesterday so i'm giving you your chance to kind of give your initial thoughts on what you saw saturday uh why it happened the way it did just your kind of your breakdown because i'll be honest i haven't gotten a ton of time to talk about it because sure. we had so many great calls yesterday and we'll talk about this as we go, but most fans were set up in two camps. I said this yesterday. There's the group that is done with the team, done with the year, right? They just can't have this type of loss. It's unacceptable. And then the other group is, let's try to move past this. And so I'm curious where you stand and just your initial thoughts on what you saw on Saturday. Well, all fans are very reactionary, very in the moment. The, uh, the camp that I'm done with them, and I knew we should have never hired Freeze, and we should have got Dion, or we should have got Lane Kiffin, or we should have got so and so. A few of those hardcore haters will never be uh, on the same page with a Hugh Freeze run Auburn program. But for the most part, those people will start slowly migrating back to, all right, let's see what we can do in the Iron Bowl this mm-hmm. week, right? You know, that's very reactionary. There's a short term reaction here. What I just said, it was an appalling loss. And, uh, and then maybe Saturday night, if you'd have seen me and heard me, and I'd have probably had a few choice words, you'd have thought I was in the camp that we, uh, we're, we're headed, we're done, right? Yeah. Which yeah. is not true. And then there's the long-term 30,000 uh, feet view from above about, let's just be rational here. And um, although there's not one person that I can think of really and truly that told me going into this game that uh, we would lose this game and lose it like we did, that's an extremely good New Mexico State team for their standards, probably the best team they've ever had. Jerry Kill is obviously a solid football coach. There's a reason why they're headed to their conference championship game, albeit in the U- uh, Conference USA. And uh, we should have been uh, we should have been a little bit more fearful of a team that has eight wins, although none of those wins were over any winning teams for the season. And uh, I think that if you take a hardcore look at it. Auburn will be fine as long as this does not define them, like I've said to everybody that I can tell that same saying to. If this lingers, and this lingers into this weekend, and it lingers into the bowl, and then it kind of Brian Harson lingers into next season, Houston, we got a problem. But I yeah. think that this coaching staff is mature enough, experienced enough to realize, okay, um, we overlook New Mexico State. Uh, not just us fans. The players, the coaches, we did the exact same thing that Arkansas did to us the week before. They got a big win 
on the road. No one, you know, they thought Sam Pittman was left for dead. They went down to the swamp where they've never won, took care of business, came home and thought, huh, this isn't a very good Auburn team. We'll be all right. And they didn't get prepped. Right. They didn't get prepped. Now, the worst thing about this loss, though, is not that we lost, but how we lost. That's going to, there's a lot of questions there. But when you're not motivated and you don't take care of business on the field and you go up against anybody who's got eight wins on a season, you're not going to win the football game. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're asking for trouble. And that's exactly what happened to Auburn on Saturday. They went into the game unmotivated and just not very excited it didn't seem like to be in this game and and Hugh Freeze continued to to harp on the lack of effort right the lack of 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 want to be there and look it's tough right it is tough in this type of situation with the schedule that Auburn goes through every single year of the SEC and they have one of the toughest schedules in college football you play this type of game this late non-conference game after you've gone through Georgia and LSU and Texas A&M and Arkansas and you play this non-conference game at home the week before the Iron Bowl usually against a team that's not very good it's tough to get up and motivated for that type of game because your talent alone should carry you through a game like that and look let's be honest these are human beings we're talking about they can look and see normally that this team at this time in this game is not very good and they shouldn't have to worry about it. They're not going to throw the kitchen sink at them to make sure they win and expose themselves or try to get anybody hurt. But here's the problem. This is not a three-win Samford team. This is not a winless team that plays junior high schools. This was New Mexico State with eight wins on the year who beat Hugh Freeze a year ago the same exact way, and you walked into this game with a chance to be on a four-game winning streak with all the momentum coming into the Iron Bowl, and all of that is gone. It's gone because you overlooked a good team with a good quarterback, and you let them come in there with a perfect game plan and execute it to a T. And they just flat-out beat you. And I think that it takes... It takes a lot of of courage and I don't think confidence is the word I'm looking for, but for this coaching staff to admit, yeah, and the players. And look, we were not ready. We were not ready. We overlooked it. They had bad practices last week. We heard Hugh Freeze talk about that. They just did not prepare for this game like they should have. And if they're if you're able to admit that, I think that's one thing, but it just can't happen. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Hey, I'm Coach Freeze, and this will never happen again, right? I mean, that's what you want to hear. You don't want to hear a bunch of excuse-making. You don't need to hear about any kind of wild theories from the coaches that this was an anomaly or, you know, whatever. I mean, they just didn't get get up for this game. They didn't prepare for it like they should have, and I think they underestimated New Mexico State and Jerry Kill this season to their own detriment. Look, there were seven, uh, six other teams in the SEC West that played uh, what I like to call look-ahead games on rivalry weekend. Only two of those teams had winning schedule uh winning uh season so far this year when i'm ut chattanooga who played alabama and georgia state who played lsu would auburn have beaten any of those other six teams saturday night you know 
most likely, but maybe not the way they played. They just they just were not prepared to go. And here's the thing, too. If Auburn would have played Arkansas like they played New Mexico State, they, Arkansas would have beat them. Oh, they'd have beat them bad. Arkansas would yeah, have put it on. That game would have gone completely different, you know. And, and that's not a good Arkansas team. And let's uh, let's not just forget to give complete congratulations to New Mexico State. I mean, Jerry Keel and his staff, uh, Tim Beck, the offensive coordinator, put together a, a plan. His players believed in it. Uh, they believed in his players to execute the plan. His players executed that plan. And uh, quite frankly, I sat there in person and watched it. Uh, their players were – for this game, better coached. I felt like that they wanted it more. They dang sure looked like they had a lot more fight in them than Auburn, which was disturbing to me. You, you didn't see that on TV after plays. They were up in Auburn players' grills. They were pushing. They were shoving. They came into a hostile road environment and said, we're going to fight for 60 minutes. And we talked about this on Friday. We talked about it Saturday on Game Day on Wings at 94.3 FM with Jack that – this program, despite three solid wins for Auburn in its first season, in a row in the SEC, was in no shape, no form, or no fashion to overlook any football team. Yep. And boy, oh boy, did they fall in the trap of doing that. Um, the good news is, and I hate to say it like this, but I'm almost thank I- I'm thankful that Alabama's coming to town this weekend. Because, thankful? Yes, I am. Because, hey – after a nasty loss like that, you can't dwell on it. And if you do, you're in trouble. And then we got some questions we really have to ask. I think that's fair. And I, I mean, think... so this, they should just be able – sorry to interrupt. No, they you're should, good. Go they ahead. should just be able to take all that negative energy. We'll come back to that one later and discuss it and fix it and make sure that never happens. But, guys, this is the Iron Bowl. I'm the coach here. The fans shouldn't have to get you up for this. I shouldn't have to get you up for this. This is an Alabama team coming to town that's looking to embarrass you worse than New Mexico State. Mm-hmm. Are you going to respond to that and just forget about last weekend? We'll talk about it later or not. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. I think Alabama may be the only team in the country that could come in and be next on the schedule in a best in the best spot for Auburn to, to get past the New Mexico State game. If this is Georgia – Oh, everybody's down in the dumps, doom and gloom. It's over. Georgia's going to win by a thousand. And there's a lot of people in that camp for Alabama too. If this was, you know, Texas A&M or whatever that Auburn was playing after a loss like this, the team it would be it would be concerning for the team if they could truly get up for this. If the fans could get up for this, if the fans could support, right? But this is the Iron Bowl, and if there's one game that Auburn, not these particular players, I'm talking Auburn in general. The university, the fans, the family, the teams, everything can get up for. It's when Alabama comes to town. And so I like that. I absolutely like that. Look, just go back to Brian Harson's first year and Auburn's five and three, I believe, after a disappointing loss to Texas AM on Veterans Day weekend, they come home and they just get all over Mississippi State in the first half. I mean, they look like they're just complete world beaters. Bo Nix is sharp. The crowd is fired up. It's a beautiful day. We're about to rout the pirate and take his booty and treasure back into our locker room and say, take a take a hike, pirate, get back on your ship, and you can float back to Mississippi State and Starkville. And then what happens? We have this massive collapse in what I called at that time the most embarrassing loss in Auburn football history. And then the next week they had to go to South Carolina. Mm. And it was just kind of meh. 
that's not really going to get you up. And they dwelled on it and dwelled on it and dwelled on it. And that team never got off the bus in Columbia. And then the wheels completely came off. I like it. I like it. 334-321-1390. We're going to get to the phone lines when we come back. We'd love to hear from you as well as we're off and running here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Let's get to the phone lines here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. Big Auburn, we appreciate you holding on through the break, man. You're on the line. First of all, I'd like to say it. you got the best man beside you that I would know of. Words. You hit a home run when you got off the T-bone. Well, I appreciate that, and I, I agree 100%, Big Auburn. I love to listen to him talk. He's, he's like me. He's all Auburn. And I like to echo some of the things y'all said. Go for you're it. You're an Auburn fan. I mean, I felt I've been an Auburn fan for 65 years, and I still pull for him. I'll pull for them every time they play. And people can't be critical. I mean, that overnight, that day was, I mean, it was like a dream. It just, this can't be happening. But we just, they come in here and whipped our butt. I mean, they wanted it more than us. And we wasn't ready to play. And I hear people kind of getting on the coaching staff and everything, but uh, I think they're wrong. I've coached before, and I know you can talk to your blue in the head, and kids, you know, they think they can just go out there and do it against some teams, Mm -hmm. but... You can't do it. Well, Big Auburn, I appreciate your uh, your kind comments, and I'm with you. It's like uh, it's like that little white ball we chase around every once in a while. You can beat somebody That's in right. golf 25 straight times and just roll out inside those rusty gates of the local municipal golf course and think you got it again today and, uh, and not take care of business and not concentrate or just have a bad day or, or anything can happen and, and get it taken to you. You don't ever want to go around underestimating anybody in life or anything because that's just about when that underestimation taps you on the shoulder and pops you right in the face. And uh, that's what happened Saturday night in Auburn. Look, Fans have all the right in the world to be critical. Um, nowhere in my lifetime of being an Auburn fan since 1982 would I have ever thought that a Conference USA team could roll up into Jordan-Hare Stadium and not beat Auburn but dominate Auburn. You know, I was there when Southern Miss beat us two years in a row, and those were some that one of those teams had Brett Favre. They barely beat us. You know, I was there when South Florida beat us. That team got to number two. They barely beat us. We had to go into overtime. This one started from the very first snap until the very last snap. So, you know what? You can take it one or two ways. You can sit here and you can fire down and say these coaches aren't the ones that are going to get it done. And like I said on my blog at RadioFreeAuburn.com, I I named it the nightmare on North Donahue. It's like a bad dream, right? But in 17 years, Big Auburn, since Nick Saban's gotten to Auburn, I mean, to Alabama. Auburn has had seven coaches, two of which have been interns. Okay? You can count them up. All right? Do we need to just throw the baby out with the bathwater after this loss? 
and have the next 17 years where we have seven coaches, a few flashes in the pan like we did these last 17 years, a lot of mediocrity and a huge amount of disappointment? Nope, we don't. So you can make the decision right now to bail on this program or not. I'm not going to do it. I think we got the right man. I think he has to be the right man because these last three, four years have been my generation's the late 70s, and I'm ready to get out of them. That's right. That's right. You can't bail out on them. I mean, first of all, I've said this before. You know, I didn't knew this year what Nombino 10 and 2. you got to give a man time. Uh, I know it's been said, but it's a fact. Our talent level was way, still is way, way down. Mm-hmm. But you give this man time, he's going to get the players in there. And I'm with you. I believe we got the right man for the job who loves to be here. And if we give him time, he'll get us back. We're not going to get there overnight. It's going to take time. That's right. But, uh, you know, I ain't going to jump ship. I, you know, I'm going to be for him no matter what, win, lose, or draw. I will always pull for Auburn. There you go. And that's why if you're a true fan, that's the way you'll be. If you're that way, go pull for somebody else. There you like go. I like it. That, like some of these Bammers that just pull for Bama because they win it. They don't even know where Alabama is. <laughs> All Auburn. Hey, man, Big Auburn, we appreciate hey, you, Hey, it's man. Iron Bowl week. Take some shots That's at right. Alabama and Auburn, That's right? That's right. Appreciate the call, Big Auburn. Thanks so much, man. 334-321-1390. to get to uh, another caller here before we get to break. And, Terry, you're on the line, man. What's up? Yeah, guys, how many Atlanta Braves fans are there now as opposed to how many were in the 80s? Yeah, you're right about that. I mean, I wasn't – obviously, I wasn't alive around that point. But there are so many more Braves fans now than than there were 30 years ago. You're right. I was a big Braves fan, Terry. I love the Superstation, and I think – more than anything, I love the uh, broadcasting team and, and the Braves fans back then uh, that weren't just cheering for Dale Murphy. Bob Horner, you know, Gene Garber, Rick Mailer, and the rest of them were there just tuning in to, uh, to Skip Carey and that crew. Well, I remember being around Atlanta seeing the bumper sticker, Go Braves and Take the Falcons with you. <laughs> so, there are you know, more Braves fans than Falcons fans, I'll say right. that. Uh, listen, guys, didn't, didn't New Mexico State lose to UMass? They did. Totally unacceptable. Now, I'm as big a fan as there is, and I always will be. And, the, and Jacob, you know as well as anybody, I'm a Hugh Freeze guy all the way. Mm-hmm. He should be there. He's, he's the right – he'd be most appreciative for the opportunity, and he will do the best job. I've said that from day one. But you no way, shape, or form do you lose to a team that lost to a team that you clobbered in the first week of the season. And, and I, it's I, more than that, guys. It's trailing 10 to 7 at halftime. Yeah. It's your quarterback getting, getting – it's a defensive back getting picked up by a quarterback and slammed to the ground like – like Dolph Lundgren slung so much stone to the ground, Rocky Four. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's uh, it's 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 the fake punt ran by by a guy that could was was rival Jared Lorenzen size. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> those those type things. Those are the kind of things that that happen that are unacceptable. And I and and part of being a fan is part of being realistic and being honest. And it is. It's no way no way shape or form is that acceptable in Auburn standards. Now, you don't give a team darn near two million dollars to come across the country and beat you by three touchdowns. Yeah, Terry, I'm with you. I mean, uh, and I think you're making your point loud and clear, and I'm pretty pretty certain that this coaching staff and these players uh, have heard this uh, loud and clear, right? Now, I will say this about New Mexico State's loss to UMass. That was the first game of the season. 
New Mexico State was not quite the same team that they were early in the season. They lost to UMass. They lost to Liberty in week three. And they went ahead and lost to Hawaii in week five. After they got back from the Rock, right, and came back into New Mexico, they haven't lost a game since. Something happened with that team, and I'd like to know what it is because they turned their season around quickly and got it together. Yeah, well, I just don't think – even that said, T-Bone, I don't think it's acceptable to come into this, to come into this town and beat this team. I agree. No, I'm with you. I mean, it, it, you know, I don't know what else – I don't care what they've done. It's yeah. not acceptable, and, and it's something that, that cannot happen again, right? But, you know, what do you, what do you mean by not acceptable? It's like, uh, well, you know what, no one show up to the Iron Bowl this week and we're done here. I mean, I don't – you know, I, no. I get it. I mean, you know, and I, I think that this coaching staff has said it's not acceptable too. What bothers me the most is the, the recruits sitting in the stands watching that debacle. Well, they, good thing know, is – I want to know how you feel about that after the break. You can talk about it. The Cam Coleman, who we have got to have. Mm-hmm. Are they saying this is the team we can help because they can offer playing time? Or, is, I think or so. we want to go somewhere else and win a championship and give Auburn the big middle finger? I'm with you, Terry. Appreciate the call. Great to hear from you. We will talk about that when we come back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Lots more to discuss when it comes to Auburn and New Mexico State and, of course, Auburn and Alabama this Saturday. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds it at the back. He's Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Goins, and let's get to the phone lines once again. 334-321-1390. K-Bag, you're on the line. What's on your mind on a Tuesday afternoon? Hey, good afternoon, fellas. How we doing? We're doing all right. Best as we can be on a rainy Tuesday here in Auburn. Hey, well, as long as it's raining today and not over the weekend, everything's going to be all right. That's right. That's right. What you got? Well, I'll tell you this. You know, this is the first time that I've actually had um, true reservations about Hugh Freeze. Okay. I I got a problem with him publicly saying that he had to call Gus to get a a read on the Iron Bowl as he's the head coach of Auburn University. Look, this isn't Ole Miss. This isn't Liberty. I get it. But when you take this job, you understand what this game means. And looking at last weekend's sideline when there was absolutely no sense of urgency, no give a crap, or any kind of moxie, this is the first time that I'm really questioning who Hugh Freeze is as coach. Well, look, last Saturday, K-Bag was very disappointing. You were there. I was there inside the stadium and got a good look at those sidelines. And I agree. I mean, we talked at halftime of the game, and you said you didn't even see much enthusiasm with the Tigers came out of the tunnel for the second half. I I saw that from the press box, too. I saw that. It was low energy. It was low energy. And I got a question why someone – it didn't turn into a a Will Muschamp fest in that locker room in the second half, breaking whiteboards and fighting people, right? Well, I'll say this. For Hugh to say that he's going to rely on past players to come in and talk to the team 
about what this game means, that means he doesn't know. And I don't understand how you can be our coach since December and here it is November, 11 months later, and, and you don't understand what this game is. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's so much of relying or just using it as an assistance. You know what I mean? Just using anything you can use to help get. Which it, it sucks that that's the case, right? It sucks that that's what you're having to do. But we've seen former players come back. I mean, Cam Newton's come back how many times for the Iron Bowl to get the team ready to go? I mean, and maybe that's what it takes to get this team up and ready, which I don't like, but. That's just where we're at right now. So I wouldn't necessarily say he's relying on that, but I think he's just using it to his advantage. If that's the case, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate for you. I love it. If he's having to rely on former players to lay it out there and state the case and and pull the folks together, that means the message that he's been delivering all year is not the message that's resonating in the locker room. How many times have we heard him say, we don't have enough depth? We don't have the right players. We don't have the kids. We don't have the athletes. We have to recruit. And, and, and he has already laid it out there from the start of the season that this is just chalk one up to the game and, 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 and it's just a foregone conclusion that this year's going to suck. Well, let me tell you, from Terry Bowden to Tommy Tuberville to Gene Chizik to Gus Malzahn, and dadgum near Brian Harson if Tank Bixby doesn't go out of bounds, what his coaching tenure would be like. Every one of these coaches has beat Alabama at home multiple times, and especially when we, quote, should not have. This is another one of those years where everybody in that stadium is going to think or believe or halfway believe that we have an opportunity to beat Alabama. And I'm worried that our head coach doesn't believe that. And that's a problem to me. Mm. Well, thank you for the call, K-Bag. We appreciate it. Get in here at 334-321-1390, just like K-Bag, if you need to talk to us. And let us help you get through this miserable <laughs> loss Saturday. And I hear the pain. That's a longtime Auburn fan who never misses a game and probably hasn't since he was a small child. And uh, it was it was rough. There's just no sugarcoating it. It was terrible, right? But but my thoughts are now, and come on in and get it on out of here before the Iron Bowl, right, Jacob? I mean, we're That's here right. for you That's right. at ESPN Radio 106.7 Auburn Opelika. I mean, grip the steering wheel, white knuckle it, and hit call and get in here just like K-Bag. First of all, I still remember back in 2002 at the Iron Bowl, when Auburn went up to uh, Tuscaloosa, nobody gave the Tigers a chance. Carnell Williams was hurt. Ronnie Brown was hurt. They had to put Cooper Wallace a tight end at fullback. Everybody was hurt. Trey Smith played at tailback, and no one gave the Tigers a chance. Auburn rolled out into Tuscaloosa, took care of business, won 17-7. The game was never really in question. They played lights out. You know who gave the pregame speech in the locker room that time? In Tuscaloosa. You can YouTube it and listen to the speech. Mm-hmm. One Vincent Bo Jackson. I don't care if you got to go over there and get the ghost of Suge Jordan in that locker room when it's Auburn-Alabama weekend, when it's Iron Bowl you get whomever you got to get in here to get these players fired up. But now I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. There has been a lot of, oh, I don't want to call it poor mouthing from the coach possibly this year. 
a lot of that I think you can pick apart what he says and I think there's been a little bit too much of that. But when you have bad losses like this, people are going to pick apart what you say. Mm-hmm. But there are no throwaway years. There are no throwaway games at Auburn. And I think that message has been sent loud and clear. Well, let me let me jump in on this before we get back to the phone lines with Spectre. Here's the problem that I have, right? And K-Bag was just talking about it there. We've heard since day one, right, that Hugh Freeze and this staff didn't have the players that they needed or wanted. And that's that's the truth, right? It's year one. He took over a program, and a lot of these players are not his. We know he got some recruits and, and transfer portal guys, but most of this team is not the guys that he wanted. And so a lot of what you've seen this year, sure, you can chalk it up to that, where if he goes out and gets five-star receivers and five-star offensive linemen and big transfer portal guys – then yeah, maybe some of these things don't happen. But the effort part on Saturday has nothing to do with it being your guys or not. That is pure coaching. That's what it is. That is coaching. And you can't coach every kid. You can't. There's too many of them. There's too many kids for a head coach to personally coach them up the way he wants to, especially when you walk into a new team and a new room with brand new guys. Because some of them aren't going to trust you. And to be honest, you're not going to trust some of them. That's just how it goes. But an effort problem on Saturday is coaching. If you can't get your guys up, if you can't have them have a good practice over the week, and if they have one bad day at practice, figure out a way to make it better the next day. But if you have two bad practices in a row, that is coaching. When your team doesn't show up ready to play in the first half against New Mexico State, that is coaching. And when they come out just as flat in the second half, that is coaching. And that is the problem that I have here. Yeah, once you realize that you're in big trouble inside the game, inside the locker room at halftime, you better figure something out. I got two points on that, though, and I totally agree with you. I think you're setting up a dangerous precedent, too, for any leader – right? Not just a football coach, but any leader of a business, any leader of a family, anyone who's in charge who says, hey, you know, we got to get some other folks in here, or paraphrasing, we got to get some other folks in here. You're setting up a dangerous precedent that once you get your folks in there and you have these type of collapses, there's no excuse then. Yeah, exactly. But I also, I want to get back to what K-Bag said. He named a lot of coaches at Auburn, and he's seen a lot of coaches at Auburn because, like I said, that's an old-school Auburn fan. You can hear the pain in his voice, Jacob. But every single one of those coaches had teams that did not show up at some point. Some of them happened in their first year. Some of them happened against Jacksonville State Mm. in 2015. Coach Dye had teams – that didn't always emotionally be checked in. I can remember one game that Auburn lost they should have never lost under Coach Dye was the 1986 Auburn-Georgia game. Auburn was far superior to Georgia that year. That's the year, Jacob, we had to get the fire hoses out on the dogs because nothing smells like a wet dog. Auburn wins that game. That season they lost two games, one against Florida and one against Georgia, and I think it was by a combined five points. But Georgia was not a good team that year. That wasn't in Coach Dye's first year. That was at home, at night, inside Jordan-Hare against those dirty dogs that we all can't stand from across the Chattahoochee River, our cousins, our brother, our stepbrothers, whatever you want to call them. And they didn't show up. Mm-hmm. 
And that was a nasty Auburn football team with it had a lot of leaders on it and a lot of play, players that played in the NFL. So it happens, man. It happens to all coaches. And unfortunately, it happened to Auburn Saturday night at the worst possible time. That's the big thing right there. You just said it. The worst possible time. This was not UMass at the beginning of the year. This was not um, the Cal game out in California where you didn't show up and play, right? That was not that. This was coming in on a three-game win streak. This was coming in with a ton of momentum on the field, off the field, in recruiting with the fans. And you had a chance to get completely right and get through a game that you were favored by 25 points and roll into the Iron Bowl with multiple people going to start predicting you to win that game and upset the Crimson Tide. Now, I don't know anybody that is so far. And that's the biggest problem that I have is the timing of this. This was the worst time to not show up for a game. And this isn't an SEC team. This is just New Mexico State from Conference USA. A good New Mexico State team. But this is a game that you just had to have. And if this would have been another SEC game somewhere, you'd be like, well, you lost to a good team and you didn't show up in the big game. But this wasn't a big game because of the opponent. It was a big game because of the circumstances and everything else going on around it. And that is concerning for me. It is. It is concerning for me. Do I think this will happen again? I sure hope not. But I do like Hugh Freeze, and I think he's doing a lot of good things. But what happened in Jordan-Hare is scary. It is scary because you said it. What happens if he gets all these five-star players in here and he gets his guys and this happens again? Then what? Then what's the, the explanation, right? Then what's the, I'm not saying excuse, but what's the excuse, right? How is it, is it magically just going to fix itself and change and be better when his guys are in here? It very, very well might be. But I don't know about you, and I'm talking to the listeners. I don't want to bank on that. I'm just going to be honest. I don't want to bank on that. I didn't think this would be an issue, and I hope it's not one to come. 334-321-1390. We're going to get to the phone lines as we wrap up hour number one here on ESPN 106.7. Don't go anywhere. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. We must be doing something right, man. Phone lines continue to blow up. We're either doing it right or doing it wrong. I can't figure it out, but we're going to get to the phone lines. We got multiple people lined up as we'll finish hour number one with that. We'll get into hour number two with it as well. 334-321-1390. Inspector, you're first up here. What's up? Inspector, are you there? Inspector, are you there? I guess not. So I guess we will go to Ed. You're on the line. What's up? Uh, uh, hey guys, uh, uh, Jacob, but uh, uh, appreciate you know you taking my call. Yeah. I was just gonna. I was gonna talk about just a couple of things. You know, uh, I, I mean, it's obvious that uh, Hugh Freeze, you know, is going to get a pass on you know that game and everything. But what I've noticed, and, you know, kids, uh, I call them kids, the young men players, mm-hmm. the athletes, you know, 
uh, they're not dumb, and they can pick up on things. And all it and you know, uh, I don't think he's got a very good poker face and hiding. You know, but when he is concerned and uncertain, I think the kids pick up on it, and it just kind of uh, it kind of uh, snowballs. It seems like in some games. But the one thing that you could do, I mean, that he, I, uh, you think about Bruce Pearl, if he's got a kid uh, lollygagging up and down the court, you know, you think he's going to put him back out there on the, you know, on the court? No, he's going to set him down. And, and I, I think, uh, you know, and and the other thing, and I, I, and the, I'll, I'll hush and, and they've got one more thing, but uh, but the, the other thing is that uh, it, it seemed worse in the second half. It, it, I yeah. mean, how how can you not how can you not go in there and just rip a new attitude and at least have the team come out, you know, realizing that hey, we've got to try to do something, and right. it didn't seem like they even tried to do anything. Yeah. Did it? No, it didn't. I yeah. don't think. Yeah, I'm Ed. I'm with you. I, first of all, I think there's a side of Hugh Freeze that in this first year we really haven't quite seen yet, and yeah. I believe it is a North Mississippi. I grew up on a farm and have worked my whole life, and uh, I'll fight you if I have to to get to where I need to go. And I think for whatever reason, we just quite haven't seen that yet, and it may be because he does know how. And I'm tired of hearing people talking about it, but how depleted the roster really is compared to what it normally should be for a higher caliber SEC team. Yeah. And and how many how can you how can you beat the only horses that you have in a race, right? Yeah, yeah. And hey, I, I and who knows? Maybe that. maybe he has gotten after them a lot harder, and I bet that he has than we've seen, and it just hasn't taken yet. Well, I, I have heard some uh, players, you know, uh, 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 talking about. But I have heard some players, you know, talking about, you know, and him and the coaches. You know, he's put his foot down there, but, but, but we all do know that he, you know, he he was playing with a, and everybody thinks just because you get these guys in the transfer portal, well, you know, the very best players don't into the transfer portal they're starting for their team and they're ready to go pro good point. So you're you're not you're not getting the best of the best even regardless if they were a five star and it, but i heard talking about coaching uh hard i heard uh some of the auburn basketball players you know talking about how hard bruce has been on them but yeah, Bruce has been fiery so far this year. He's been uh, yeah. he's been yeah. cracking the whip with everybody, the fans, the media. I uh, love it. Yeah. And and he, I've I seen a side it. of Bruce Pearl in these first four games, specifically after that Baylor loss, that I don't know if I'd want to see. Yeah, I, I agree with it. And he knows that that gum – uh, we let one slip away there. Well, that maybe that's the point. You know, maybe that does. That maybe that's what we're saying here is that Pearl knows absolutely that this team could be championship level and they're yeah. just not quite I don't want to say playing to it but they're yeah. just not effort there like it could be if you for a championship team and maybe and maybe freeze knows we're getting just about everything we can get out of this roster 
Yeah. Now yeah. I'll say I'll say this: New Mexico uh, State, they didn't get everything yeah. they get out of that roster. Thank you so much, Ed. We appreciate it. Give uh, us a call at three three four three two one thirteen ninety here at On the Line. Yeah, and to to kind of comment with that, um, you know, and like you said, I mean, we've we've commented on on the the depleted roster thing a ton, and and while it is true, you can only sing that song for so long, and. That was not yep. that that musical shouldn't have taken against New Mexico State. It didn't. The, those cards didn't play in that on that table. Okay, they just didn't, and it should just never happen. And that's why I talked about the concern is why that happened, right? Why is it that you come off a three game win streak? The hype is there. It's a good week on our side of things. Sounds like it wasn't a good week at practice. Why? What, what happened, right? What happened that you come off a three-game win streak and you have two bad days in a row at practice and that carries over into a game on Saturday? If it carries into the first half, sure. How many times have we seen Auburn or Alabama play a team like this and they're down at the half or they're only up by three and then they come out and win 48-10 to 10 afterwards, right? We've seen that a ton with Auburn and Alabama. I can count a bunch of times that's happened for Nick Saban because the world goes nuts when it does. But then they come back out and they handle business in the second half and just like that it's fine but that didn't happen here yeah you kind of felt like at some moment Auburn was just going to kick it into another gear and we were just going to cruise on out and take care of business and uh credit to New Mexico State they put Auburn in a headlock and a pretzel and they never let go and they put them in at the end they put them in a chokehold they did and they went into the game thinking they could win confident they could win and knowing they could win. That's why Pavia, the quarterback, played. That's why they held oh, the yeah. ball for 30-plus minutes. And that's why they won the game, because they felt like they could win. And they had to go in there and earn it, and they did. Auburn, on the other hand, was just going through the motions and hoping the logo on the side of their helmet was going to win it for them. And that didn't happen on Saturday. We'll talk some more about this in hour number two. Got a bunch of phone calls still to get to. We'd love for you to be a part of it as well. 334-321-1390. Hour number two here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Coming up. ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika sports leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying dry on this rainy, just 
Yeah, Tuesday afternoon here in the Auburn Opelika area. He is Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Goins with you inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio as we get underway in hour number two. If you missed any of the first hour, you know where to find the podcast show on demand. You can search on the line wherever you get your podcast or go to our station website at ESPNAU.com and click on the podcast center. It is posted commercial free after each and every show. Lots of great calls in hour number one and we've got multiple calls waiting here in hour number two as we continue talking Auburn football with the uh, loss against New Mexico State of course the Iron Bowl coming up this weekend Uh, so we'd love to get your thoughts on that if you want to talk a little Auburn basketball I would like to get a couple words in on that today as they play Alabama A&M tonight uh, before they take a little break uh, for Thanksgiving so that's what's coming up here on in hour number two on the Tuesday edition of On the Line no Daryl Dapperts today Uh, he is out traveling for the holiday so we will pick back up with him next week and we appreciate him as as always uh, for joining the show and so we'll pick back up with double d next week here during on the line but let's get to the phone lines 334-321-1390 and jones you've been holding on through the break man we appreciate you what's up well there's not much i can say i don't want to be redundant uh, there's obviously still some extremely frustrated exasperated auburn fans and here it is tuesday and i can just tell you from my experience and you guys are so much younger but there is no harder job in college football than the coach of Auburn University. There is no team that their number one rival is the college football team called the University of Alabama. Since 1920 or whenever they went to the Rose Bowl, Auburn has been fighting an uphill battle from the politicos in the state of Alabama, etc. It's extraordinarily tough to be an Auburn fan. But like I said yesterday, If you love Auburn and truly love Auburn, you stay loyal to that love. Stop the negativity because you cannot change the reality. We did not hire Hugh Freeze, someone with a lot more money, said at that interview, and they hired him. Hugh Freeze obviously has a lot to learn about becoming an Auburn fan as far as loving Auburn like we do. He loves that paycheck, and I'm sure he loves his kids and loves his his family that's all living in Auburn with him. But to be a tough, hard-nosed combination of Pat Dye and Suge Jordan and many others that I forget to think about here, you're going to have to learn it. Like they said in the movie Roadhouse, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And by God, we've seen the worst for the last many years. And we have to tolerate it, Auburn fans, because there ain't no school in the country, in this universe, that has to fight what we have to fight. And emotionally, you got to let it go. Like my old man I used to work with, and I've been in sales for 50 years, guys. You have to treat it like a Walinda walking a tightrope across a Grand Canyon. You don't want to look down. You don't want to look back. You just keep forging ahead and watch your attitude because it is pervasive, and you got to fill up those stands Saturday and make sure those kids know that you're going to support them come hell or high water. All right, guys, the last thing I'll say is war damn ego. I hear you, Jones. That's a lot to unpack there. I got really about three thoughts on that. I was thinking about this over the break, and you're right about Hugh Freeze. He coached at Arkansas State. He coached at Ole Miss. He coached at Liberty. None of those programs compare to Auburn. The intensity, the rivalry, being caught in between such a rock and a hard place, the rock being uh, Georgia, 
pounding the hard place being Alabama. Our two biggest rivals right now are on top of the college football world, just like in the late 1970s, folks. That's why I keep going back to that. Hugh Freeze is learning what it is like to be the Auburn football coach. And, Jones, I'm with you. He loves the contract. He loves the money. I think he loves the people. He likes it here from everything I've heard. Auburn's a great place, and he's happy. But you're talking about a program like Auburn that after their next win will get their 800th career win historically. That's 13 teams, if they do it sooner than later, that have done that. Not Ole Miss. Not Arkansas State, not Liberty. This is a whole different ball game, and I believe that Hugh Freeze is finally getting his hands around that. Let me ask you this. What does it take to fall in love with something or somebody? What does it take? It takes time. Yeah, it takes commitment. It takes commitment. It takes time. And it takes some experiences, some good experiences and memories for all that to come together. And it would be it would be dumb for Hugh Freeze to have walked in here and say, I love Auburn, I'm an Auburn man. Because he's not. He wasn't. Good point, Jacob. He wasn't. He can become one, and that's what we've all done in our lifetime. Whether you're cheering for Auburn for the last five years, 15 years, 50 years, 80 years, I don't care what it is. Yeah, there's only one true Auburn man that became coach that I can think of, and that was Suge Jordan. And you had Cadillac last year when he took over. Yeah, good point there. Yes, definitely. Pat Dye, you know, he was a – Georgia grad, an Alabama coach for years as an assistant under Bryant. Mm-hmm. Terry Bowden was a – he's from the Bowden family tree. That's certainly not Auburn, although right. he's up in Birmingham. We can go through the whole list of people. I guess Gene Chizik might be pretty close to that. I mean, a, a lot of Auburn fans were born into Auburn fandom, and as far as I know, that wasn't Hugh Freeze, and that's not on him. So, no, I don't think Good he point. is an Auburn man yet, and he doesn't love Auburn and know Auburn like we do right now. But he can get into that and become that. And I don't think that should be held against him. I really don't. I I don't think it is. And I think that that Jones is being fair in that comment saying that and that it's just he's basically telling everybody to give him a little time, right? Right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. 334-321-1390. We're going to get to Bill. You're on the line. Bill, I can barely hear you. You're kind of faint. Maybe, Maybe change something up for me. Well, having a, having a little bit of an issue hearing you, but I'm going to keep you on, see if we can get that figured out. So we're going to go to Dak. You're on the line, Dak. What's up? All right. Well, maybe it's well, on there's us. There's some thunderstorms coming through. Yeah, that Jacob, is true. So that yeah, might have that's true. Up the phone. So yeah. well, we'll try and work through that. I want to get back to something else there you go. said if we got a minute. He was talking about the difficulty of the Auburn football head coaching job. And... Um, you know, I agree with them. They're all any of these big time programs in college football, actually any of these jobs being a college football coach is, is extremely difficult. Just ask Jerry Kill. I mean, he he had health issues so bad at the University of Minnesota, now the New Mexico State coach that he that he had to take some time off. I mean, you've seen college football break fantastic college football coaches after devastating losses like Urban Meyer, but Auburn's job is extra special. In, uh, in what we have to deal with. And I just point to any of you that don't think so to go out there and get Ivan Mizell's book. It's called A War in Dixie. I've read it several times. It's probably about, oh, I don't know, 
close to 20 years old now, but in there it discusses back in the time when the Eisenhower interstate system was being built, Jacob, and I'm going way back here, but the state leaders and legislatures at the time that were predominantly University of Alabama people did not want the interstate coming through Auburn. They tried to reroute it through Alex City because they knew that if that interstate came through Auburn, that would bring nothing but more economic prosperity to the Plains and would make a tougher Auburn University, not just in football, but in academics to have to compete against. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of stuff that we've had to deal with for a very long time. Good news is, folks, during that time, most of the engineers working in the highway system during that time in the state of Alabama were Auburn graduates, and they knew that there was no better place to put the interstate, not because of bias, but because of geography and the way the soils of the east Alabama, and you're kind of getting up into uh, – into the Appalachian Mountains and Alex City. But that's the kind of stuff that Auburn's had to deal with. And when you look at what Georgia's doing right now, you look at what Alabama's doing right now, I, I applaud anybody for coming in here and taking on what Brian Harson left us. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Good story. I like that. That's a good yeah, – give, different. Give the man a little time. Yeah, I'm with you. Let's see if we can get our phones working again. Again, I know the storm's kind of coming through, may have uh, messed a few things up. But we're going to try this again, 334-321-1390, as we throw it to Bill. You're on the line with Uncle Tebow and Jacob Goins. I agree with you. It takes time to learn how to love something. There you go. There you go. It takes time, right? It does. It takes but, time, doesn't it? But it also takes time to learn how to hate and resent something. Yeah. The way you're supposed to hate and resent your bitter rival. I think that's my fair. Yeah. My understanding is that 41 of our 85 scholarship players came from the portal. No, I don't think it was 41. I think the total turnover was over 40, meaning players that left and right. players that came in. I do know there were over 20, and that's a great point. Because people have to remember, next week will be November 29th, right? And that's when Hugh Freeze was brought here and hired and officially announced. He didn't even have a complete staff to work with then. So look at the roster and the turnover. These people have only been together at best since, I mean, a lot of these transfer portals came in, and I've said this a hundred times, during the summer they missed spring, and we didn't really get a good spring this past go-around because the weather was so terrible. Remember the eight-day game? It was a flood. Yeah. So, look, well, you, you're, Jacob is right, man. you got to give somebody some time. And before we just completely throw the baby out with the bathwater, can we at least see how we respond this Saturday in the Iron Bowl after that debacle last Saturday? Before well, that, Wait a minute now. That's the point of my call. I didn't say fire Hugh Freeze. No, I didn't say but that you were. But, but, but I, am say, I am saying this. We've got a lot of people who don't have any history with Auburn University that's on that football team. And, and, and they also don't have any history in hating and resenting Alabama. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's not their rival. I mean, they knew this. Right. Who are these guys in these red jerseys? And we haven't had that before. Go back to 2010. Did you have that? No, it didn't exist. I'll say this, man, good. you're exactly right, and I think that's why it's important for Hugh Freeze to bring in some folks to teach. and talk to the team about it. It's important for Carnell Williams and Marcus Davis and those Auburn people and the players that have played against Alabama for, before to preach and talk and get everybody fired up this weekend because if not, and they roll out there like this is just some other game, it's going to get ugly. 
Well, that preaching and talking is great, but you said it earlier about love. Love takes time. And I'm telling you, hatred and resentment take time. Mm-hmm. And these guys haven't had enough time to truly hate and resent Alabama. And that's what they're going to need come Saturday. They're going to need, when they see that red jersey, they just want to kill somebody. <laughs> Well, I mean, we'll we'll see what uh, we'll see what the motivation becomes and what and how much they've learned in a week or so. Bill, we appreciate you uh, holding on with us and, and dealing with our phone issues. We're good to go. We appreciate you calling it. Sure. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Want to go ahead and get to a break? We got Dak on the phones who's been holding on. Want him to have plenty of time as well. Give us a call three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Weather's gone. Phone lines are open. We're on fire here on a Tuesday afternoon here on ESPN one zero six seven. are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Let's get back to the phone lines. It's been hot today here in the studio at 334-321-1390. We're going to start with Dak. You're on the line, man. How are you? Hey, guys. Hey, guys. I I wanted to – I called earlier when y'all referenced Alabama taking care of business – uh, against Chattanooga and some of the other mm-hmm. uh, lower tier teams and throughout the year, and the difference there with us compared to them is their twos and threes can play, and they're fighting for positions to you know basically be one. But when you look at and you know I'm always talking as a coach and a, as a right. former player, not as a fan, not as a spectator, but when our twos. And threes are guys that would be playing at Alabama State and Alabama A&M and possibly UAB. There's a big difference there. And and then this goes to my next point. All week long, uh, our players heard you're going to be done after the first quarter. Twos and threes are going to play the rest of the game. Well, when you hear that every day at practice, all right, and they didn't go full pass, and they – you know they and I and I don't blame them. They you know they were trying to rest them up and get them healed for the Alabama game. Mm-hmm. But sometimes a coach can trust players too much, you know. And I think Coach Freeze trusted that our players would handle business not only mentally, you know, but physically once they played on Saturday, and that didn't happen. And. Like I've said many times before, you can't flip a switch and turn it on when it's too late, yep. when, when you see that bad things are happening. You can't go, oh, crap, and right? You can't have that. that. That's right. I mean, and, and you know, I referenced yesterday, it's like when we, uh, you know, was up on Mississippi State two years ago, and we hit that relax button, and then the next thing you know, oh, no, I got to turn it back on, and you can't do that. Nope, you can't. Well, and, and if you practice like that all week long, you're going to get the results that you got on Saturday. Um, so, you know, sometimes as coaches, we put too much trust in 18, 19, 20-year-olds, and usually that backfires. It's almost it like he drank his, uh, the Kool-Aid on his own team, right? It's almost like he got, right. you know, he got caught. I don't want to say cocky, but I think confident is a good word for it. Coming off the three-game win streak, I think the team got better Absolutely. in that three-game win streak. And, and yeah, I think they tried to – not fully take the week off, but try to do other things and prepare for what was ahead, and they got burned. Right, and and I mean, I'm speaking, you know, I don't say nothing that I hadn't heard from the horse's mouth. Right. And a couple of the players told me all week long, 
they were expecting to play in the second quarter, and these are twos and threes, and they were told that every day. And I'm not saying Coach Freeze is saying that. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he's not, but they're hearing it from their assistant coaches. Mm. And so, so, like I said, I'm not knocking our twos and threes, but let you know it's time to be truthful about things. Our twos and threes don't match up to Alabama's twos and threes. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, well, that's when other players need to step in and mature and leaders on the team and 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 police their own, right? I mean, and I know right. they're hearing it from the coaches, but. One thing you can say about Alabama, oftentimes it seems like their players will police their own, and uh, that's that's when you know you got some dogs. I have to wonder, Dak, and I want to get your opinion here. With the advent of NIL and payment to players, how hungry are some of these guys that come in? You know, I mean, in the past, I know you, it's a great deal. Look, you're getting a free education and it's a heck of a good education, and you're getting to showcase your skills to the NFL. But how bad do you want on that field, really, if you're getting paid a couple hundred grand to come here? Right. I mean, that's the that's the thing. Is, how hungry are these players right now? Yeah, that's the thing. And I think that is something that, you know, the the older generations of, of just football fans and sports fans, I would say literally anybody 30 and up has is, is questioning when it comes to – 18, 19, 20-year-olds is where is the motivation coming from? Where is the want to play coming from? And what percentage of players are wanting to play the game because of the game? And what percentage of players are there because they are getting a paycheck and want to get a bigger paycheck moving forward? I mean, that's a, that's a legitimate argument that has had every single day about college athletics because of NIL. That is, it is a fact. And I said this, What's going to happen? Do I think it's going to get worse? I hope not, but I think there's a really good potential. 334-321-1390. Dak, we appreciate the call. Always great to hear from you over in Columbus. Let's get to Steve in Texas. How about it, Steve? What's on your mind? Well, I thought we had him. Just kidding. Well, oh well. But again, I think the whole NIL conversation just gets back to how bad do people want to play in a game like New Mexico State versus a game against Alabama or, yeah. or whatever game? How bad do they really want to play? You know, there's got to be. <laughs> do you start paying players NIL like you were trying to do, like Iowa was trying to do their offensive coordinator where, yeah, we'll give you $100,000 to transfer here into Auburn as a defensive uh, end, but, you know, you only get that full amount if you get over – under 5.5 sacks for the season or you know i mean is it uh, the whole nil thing really does have to have me have to question you know overall player motivation i'm not saying that's what affected us saturday night by any means but you know overall it, or you know, you should be able to get motivated for playing Alabama. What's what's the motivation for getting motivated to play New Mexico State? It better not be that we're just gonna go out there and dominate in the first quarter, and uh, then I'll get to take my pads off in the second and third stringers and walk-ons to get on there. It's 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 personal pride, and we're gonna dominate every single team we play every single weekend. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. I think we got Steve now on the line. What's up, man? Hey, Jacob, how there are you? There we go. Doing great, man. It's great to hear from you. Is that is that Uncle T-Bone I hear? It is. It's the one and only. Yeah, oh, my goodness. 
I mean, that guy right there, that's a legend, right? That's a radio legend right there, brother. He's on the other <laughs> side of it now, though. He's on my side now. Ah, I mean, I mean, goodness gracious. How you, T-Bow? I'm doing well, Steve. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, thanks I, for uh, calling in. Oh, yes, sir. Appreciate you. I mean, I have no idea what's going on. I mean, this whole, I mean, it, it, it's on, on Saturday. It was just like, you know, about... 5.30 in the afternoon, I had no idea what was going on. What you got think? Well, you know, look, I, I still don't know what happened. I still don't know what's going on, to tell you the truth, right. with that football game. I mean, and I was you. Yeah, I was a complete state of shock. Like, yes, And sir. I think you didn't, in the stadium, you didn't hear people booing. That's what was shocking yeah. to me because everyone was so stunned. No one saw this one coming, Steve. And anybody that yeah. says, oh, I lied, I knew it, I'm, no, uh, no, whatever, no. whatever. They dude. didn't see it. They didn't see it. And it was a complete underestimation of the, of the New Mexico State program led by Jerry Kill. That's just all there is to it, and it never needs to happen again. But I'm wow. with you. I'm still searching for answers, and when you have monumental losses like that, it's, it's okay to ask what happened. And you better have I, an I, answer. I, I, I mean, it was only 1.85 mil, right? Yeah, just a uh, yeah. Did you help out with that? I mean, you got the pocket cash change money, for that, right? That's right. Yeah, that's Steve uh, from Texas money right there, <laughs> man. No problem. I mean, I, hey, you know what? Hey, down. I mean, I'm in Texas, but I'm not down there where the Aggies live, where they have all that unlimited money. Oh, uh, you're not dipping into the oil money, huh? I mean, I, I mean, I do, yes, but <laughs> not that, not that level. Well, I know who to call next time I get in the jam. Yes, sir. Hey, appreciate the call. It's great to hear from Thank you, man. You, Thanks so much. I mean, is it worse to pay $1.85 million to New Mexico State to come in here and beat you or fire your head coach for $75 million and not have a replacement ready to rock and roll? Ooh, good question. Question of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Which is worse? I don't worse. I don't know. It feels pretty bad, though, to pay New Mexico State the money we paid them for them to come in and, and absolutely embarrass us. But, you know... Maybe this is just an opportunity if you can just at least try and look at it half glass full that the Tigers can use this and Hugh Freeze can use this not just for himself but for all of his teams moving forward that do you want to feel like this ever again? Right. And here's here's something else. And We got about a minute or two before we get to break and then we got even more callers we're going to get to on the other side. The instant reaction and the instant comparison with this game – was the one that happened across the state all the way back when, when Nick Saban in Alabama in year one let ULM come to Bryant-Denny and beat the Crimson Tide. That was the instant comparison from Auburn fans, other fans, everywhere, but it's not the same. I don't no. think it is. I don't think no. it's the same. I really don't. No, there's no – There's. I don't think that there's a game like this that I can look back to just about anybody other than – possibly Mike Norvell when he lost to Jacksonville State. You know, I wrote about that on my blog weeks ago when Auburn was struggling in that four-game losing streak just to give it time. Look what happened at FSU. Those first couple of years for Norvell were ugly. Yes. They were very ugly, but it just, you know, today we've been blessed and we've been cursed with two of the greatest seasons in Auburn football history that happened in year one. That means we've been spoiled. That doesn't normally happen. The best year, the best year that you really can ever hope for is something like Gene Chizik did in his first year, mm-hmm. and then you're building into the next year. So, kind of take a look. But I'm with you. The the La Mo loss, you know, it it was it was devastating. And Nick Saban, he's had a couple of bad losses going back to LSU, but 
it wasn't they weren't dominated like we were no they weren't and that's the biggest thing is the the way that it happened in Jordan Hare Stadium on Saturday we've got more phone calls we'd love for you to be one of them as well 334-321-1390 Uncle T-Bone and Jacob Goins with you on the Tuesday edition of On the Line don't go anywhere Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm your man, Jacob Goins. He is Uncle T-Bone. No Daryl Dapperts today traveling for the holiday, so we will pick back up with him next Tuesday uh, and get his instant reactions from the Iron Bowl. But that's what everybody's talking about, talking about Auburn and New Mexico State. And, of course, previewing Auburn and Alabama this weekend. And let's get back to some more phone calls. 334-321-1390. And, Mark, you're on the line. How are you, man? Man, I am doing great. Hey, uh, first of all, let me qualify this. I have been an Auburn fan all of my life. Mm-hmm. I went to Auburn University, been a season ticket holder forever. But is there a more unrealistic fan base than an impatient fan base in this country than the Auburn fans. No. Or in general, Auburn, not everybody. No, you're, they, you're spot on. They, they, you know, and I say they, I'm part of they, of course, but, you know, uh, you mentioned the La Mo game. Well, the difference between the La Mo game is Alabama's got the tradition. And I realize Auburn is a, you know, what, top 15 or 20 all-time program? Top 15, easily. Yeah, well, not easily, barely in the top 15. And uh, so if you were to look at, uh, I mean, for goodness sakes, we just now have a winning record against Vanderbilt. So let's put things in, you know, let's be real about these things. What would you consider to be a good football season? Nine wins? Depends on the situation. Are you talking this year or just in general? No, 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 no. In general. Yeah, I think a nine. Yeah. Yeah. But anywhere between eight to ten. So, yeah, you can average out and say nine. Yeah. All right. So, look at Auburn's history for the last 15 years. How many of those do we have? Mm, Two. You don't have to count very long. No. Yeah. Maybe five. We'll see. That would go back to 2007. Um, is that right? Is my math right? No, 2008. Yeah, that's close. That's so close 2010, yeah. 2013, and uh, maybe in 2017. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like we've been just beating people down for years. And a lot of it is due to being impatient. You know, we expect things to happen immediately. And it's like uh, I think one of your previous callers said, you know, it takes time to build that love. You've got to give time you know i want to beat everybody as much as anybody else does and i believe that a three and eight auburn team can beat alabama i believe it every single year you know it may not happen every year but i'm going to go in there believing there's a chance there's always a chance Mm -hmm. but uh i just think auburn fans in general and not you know we weren't patient with miles on 
we weren't well, patient. Well, I disagree with that. Uh, I think they were patient with Malzahn. No, they weren't. No, no that's no, why no, we ended no, no, up no. paying him $21 million. That's I mean, what I'm saying. You're, you think we should have held on to Gus Malzahn into 2021? I didn't say that. No, I did not say that. No, he was given $20 million because Stephen Leith wet his pants in 2017 that's, that's after true. Georgia and, and Alabama, and, and after he beat Georgia and Alabama in subsequent weeks, and then they leaked out the rumor that Arkansas wanted to bring that Mama was calling. And who pushed him to do that? He did. It wasn't, it wasn't it, no, it wasn't all by himself. And if you think that it was, then you are mistaken. You think they the fans pushed the- Gus Malzahn to push for a raise after two victories the week before the SEC championship game that we would have won. If we had won, we'd have gone to the Final Four. You think the fans put him in that there you corner? Go with the, there you go with the eel. No, what I'm saying is that uh, how many times during that time, other than the, the year when he got a raise, was Auburn fans wanting to get rid of him? I, I mean, I don't know. I would say a couple of times, yeah. Yes, at least a couple of times, at most. I mean, at least. You know, uh, after 2015, they were ready to run him to, you know, back to Arkansas themselves. Right. Well, the, the thing with Gus, though, that was that was the issue, was everybody would be ready to run him out of town, and then he'd turn around and beat Alabama. And then it was like, okay, well, exactly. we can hold on for a second, and then he'd get back to doing Gus Malzahn things, and then he would turn around and beat Alabama again in the next few years. That was, that was Gus Malzahn's problem. That's right, and that's why I say impatient. Impatient both ways, for good and bad. We're not having we this discussion today, though, Mark, if – Auburn doesn't go out there and lay an egg against New Mexico State. Everything was fine. Everything was fine. We've been having that conversation all year long. There have been, ever since that four games, I've I've been listening to this show every day, and at some... Mark, you there? Multiple times this year. Yeah, multiple times this year, it has come up. What 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 has come up? That we should fire Hugh Freeze? The impatience. No, no, no. The impatience. Oh, with, well. Uh, examples of the impatience, whether it's with a quarterback, whether it's with the coaching, whether it's with the running game, it's always something that Auburn fans are impatient with. We don't give it a chance to run its course. And that's the one thing that I'm saying. And I'm I'm guilty, too. I, you know, because I was wanting Robbie Ashford to be the quarterback earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. I admit that I was wrong there. But he deserved you know, his shot that, and got it, though. I, I disagree. You know, I, I'm right. with you. He deserved his shot. The Auburn coaches gave him every opportunity starting the Ole Miss game, right, to take control of the locker room, take and be the leader of that program, and he didn't get the job done. I agree with that. I agree. But I, we were, you know – so I don't no, think that's being impatient. We, I think that that's just being a a pretty savvy and wise fan. I think it's an uneducated because we don't know what's going on in practice. You know, there there's other things besides coming out there on that field on a game day and being able to lead. You have to be a leader Monday through uh, Sunday through Friday mm-hmm. just as much as you do on Saturday. That's it's fair. not a one day a week job. That's where I'm getting. Yeah. No, and look, and Mark, just, you're right. There, There is a lot of impatience within this fan base at times, but I think 
up until the New Mexico State game, I think it had gotten a lot better. I really do. I mean, I think it had gotten better. It's never always going to just go fully away. You're always going to have fans that are wanting more and wanting more now. That's just today's society. I've talked about that numerous times on this program, but I think it had gotten better even through the four-game losing streak when Auburn started winning. I think some of that let's win, got to win now, got to win big. I think a lot of that had gone away, but some of it has resurfaced due to what happened this past Saturday. Okay, can I, I go back two years ago when Alabama came in, and you know, and I'm, I'm not a Harson fan at all. Don't get me confu- you know, confused for one. Mm-hmm. When he, had he won the Alabama game, do you think he would have uh, bought a lot more credit? I think that Harson's problems weren't with the fan. I don't think that the fans affected Harson's problems. I think Harson's problems were with super powerful people at Auburn. But he ha- would have gotten more credit from the fans if he beats Alabama. Yeah, he because- might, the fans might have yeah. saved him a little bit like they did Tommy Tuberville back in 2003 pre-Iron Bowl when, when, when there was the whole jet gate and everything. Fans can really give you that safety net and can go pitchforks and torches on the powers to be, but not all the time. And he would have got a lot of that support, but he had so many problems, and there were so many people that are big-time decision-makers over there, Mark, not me, not you, that give a lot of money and know what's what, that he was on super thin ice no matter what happened. Oh, I agree with that. And he should have been. He should, you know, don't, I don't – I'm – I'm about like Terry in that situation. Well, I'll tell you this after that, started. and I'll tell you another thing as a as a as a longtime Auburn fan, and I'm one too, my friend. That after that Iron Bowl and when we lost, I wasn't in a state of shock. I wasn't like I am how I reacted Saturday night after New Mexico State. I was out there uh, screaming "Weagle, Weagle, War Dang Eagle." Because our Tigers went out there and played a possible playoff team to the mat and just lost late and that happens in life this loss saturday night that wasn't a loss that was getting killed by a conference usa I, I, team oh i agree and that you know and it ha- you just gotta understand that stuff happens i get it it doesn't have you don't like it when it happens to you right you love it when it's lavo yeah. over alabama <laughs> or jacksonville state over florida state yeah exactly but you know when it or Charleston over – wasn't it Charleston that beat Florida or Georgia Southern? And you got App State beat that beat Michigan in the big house. Citadel right? beating South yeah. Carolina. So that stuff happens, but, you know, not it shouldn't happen to a team that was ranked number, what, 131 out of 133 at the beginning of the year, although that was all wrong, as you can see. Right. That well, team is – they're not a terrible team. Right. They're not – they shouldn't be beating Auburn on any Saturday. It comes back to the timing of the loss, right, and just the situation right. is what it all comes back to, right, Mark? Right. I agree. All right, I'm going to let somebody else get on. Appreciate it, Mark. throw that out there. Of course, man. Right, always always like hearing from you. 334-321-1390. we got to keep it rolling here. Spectre, you're on the line, man. What's up? Well, you go, Mark. I, that was a lot to say, and I – Hell, some of it was what I was going to say, so I ain't going to say it again. <laughs> Stole the words out of your mouth, did he, Spectre? Yeah, yeah. Spectre, yeah. you think Auburn fans are the most unrealistic in the bunch? If they aren't, I'll tell you what, sometimes they're the most self-loathing fans in the bunch. I can tell you that. I've never understood it. I mean, I'm Alabama I'm fans gonna... march with Alabama 
they may get after each other a little bit, but when other people start getting after them, that's not happening. Auburn fans will get after Auburn fans just uh, just for sharing their it's opinion. It's out of love. It's out of love. That's right. But I want to say this one thing about an Auburn fan. If you're not critical of bad play, you're not a true Auburn fan. That's the way I got to see it. I think it comes to being a sports fan, Spectre. I'll take it a step further. That's just a sports fan, whether you like Auburn, whether you like the New England Patriots, or whether you're a Chicago Bulls fan. If you're not if you're not critical of your team at times, then then I don't think you truly care. Amen, amen. Well, listen, let me tell you, uh, I've heard all day long about uh, turning it on and turning it off. I guess they're talking about players ready to play or not. Yeah, you're just being ready. Yeah, I, you know, I can't buy into that because if if you know the fundamentals of football and all of a sudden you're not up for this game and your coach sees that after the team walks down the field the first quarter and takes up the entire first quarter to score a touchdown, that's the time you take your team. You, turn, you take a timeout, get your team together and say, well, guys, we're in for a fight. Mm-hmm. And that didn't happen. And, you know, I like Hugh Freeze. I'm for him. But he's got a bunch of coordinators that don't know what the heck they're doing. And, and get, putting kids up for, getting kids up for a game is one of them. And well, yeah, that's where my concern comes in. And I talked about that early on in the show. That's where my concern comes in, Spectre, is – the fact that this team didn't get up and wasn't ready. And I think that falls on coaching. And I think Hugh Freeze knows that. I mean, he has admitted it already, but that's something that can't happen. That is 100% coaching, not getting your guys up and ready and turning it on, whether it be before the game, after they go down and score, or after you're down by three at the half. That is on the coaching staff, 100%. I'm going to call one coach out. It's Cadillac. Now, I love Cadillac. I love what he did last year. Where in the world was he at on that field? Where was he at when he come out the second half? Cadillac should have been had that towel on his hand going up and down that sideline getting those kids ready to play, whether it's his running backs or whether it's the defense. I mean, you know, I understand that, and I, I do understand also that you can find quotes from both Cadillac and Marcus Davis apologizing for what happened Saturday night as well. Those were out on the Internet pretty early on Saturday night after the game, and uh, they know what it means to be an Auburn man, and they know what it means to play Auburn-style football, and uh, I bet that they are going to do everything they can do within their power for that not to happen again. But, you know, That's we right. got you got to understand something here, my friend. Spectre? Cadillac's not the head coach. Hugh Freeze he's is. Assist, he is. He's assistant head coach. Yeah, but, you know, he he's only going to do as much as his boss tells him he can do. And you're telling he, me he, he you telling me who freeze is going to put him down for trying to get his players You know up. I don't I don't I don't think that that's what I'm trying to say but what I am trying to say is it's the job of the head coach to get everybody motivated and and Amen. unleash the assistants not not Cadillac But Williams. I will I will push back on that just a hair and go with the side of Specter just a second because I get what he's saying right you want some of these assistants to kind of help with that especially in their position group right whether it be the running backs or the DBs or or whatever the case may be right I get that um, but yeah, it's, here's the problem though, gentlemen, it should never have gotten to that point, right? Agreed. It never should have gotten to the point where we're begging for Cadillac Williams on the sidelines <laughs> to grab a towel and get the team fired up. You know what I'm saying, Spectre? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Yeah, it's almost like that we're just appreciate uh, the call, Spectre. Great well, to hear from yeah, you, man. That that's the best point I've heard yet, Jacob. It should have never got to that point, and we shouldn't be uh, begging Cadillac Williams to be the uh, the silver bullet that's going to get us past New Mexico State, the big bad werewolf that's Jerry Kill. Right, and that's the thing is this team never should have been down by three at the half, and we shouldn't have watched well, the, this team roll out and be just sleepwalking with their pajama yeah. pants on coming out of the locker Let's room. Let's talk a little bit more specifically more about the game itself and how we got there. Maybe that's unraveling. We'll unravel how, what actually occurred and how it occurred. That's a huge point when New Mexico State went down late late in the second quarter and got that field goal. I think it took a lot of air out of the stadium. And then Auburn comes out with the ball. And you know I've already talked to you about this, that I'm almost starting to change from this old school, you always defer. Give me the ball to start the game, right? Because there's only so many possessions now in the football game. Especially if That's a very debatable strategy. And you see all these old school coaches still doing the defer thing. Ah, take that ball, especially against New Mexico State. Yeah. Let's go down there and put a dagger in their heart to start the game. But we go out and we get a drive going, right? And it looks pretty solid. And, and, and one of your best drives of any game should be your first drive, right, which ours was terrible, and should be the drive coming out of halftime because you've made proper adjustments. Right. Right, and you can maybe even have a script with those adjustments. Our drive starts moving the ball. The crowd's getting into it. We're only down 10-7 to New Mexico State. We're driving down there. We're at least going to get a field goal because McPherson had never missed a kick this season. And then we stall out. And then we start going backwards. Penalties. Penalties, man. Killed us. Penalties killed us. They had to have had a sloppy practice uh, work uh, week in practice just because so how many sloppy plays we had and penalties we played right and somebody asked him about that in the post game presser I mean if he saw that coming I mean you can't you can't fully see it coming but I think he did because he said he had a bad they had a bad week of practice and if you practice bad you're gonna play bad right practice like you play that's the old that's quote right. that's the old saying and guess what Auburn practiced bad Auburn played bad and you let New Mexico State come in here and beat you But now as we get into the middle of the week, as we get closer to Thanksgiving and we get closer to the game of the Iron Bowl on Saturday, the question becomes, how does Auburn bounce back? How does Auburn get it behind them and take down Alabama? That will be the message throughout the rest of the week. We'll take our final break and come back and wrap it up here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Winding down on what has been a chaotic, awesome, crazy fun Tuesday afternoon here during On the Line on ESPN 1067. I thought yesterday we had a lot of calls. We've had even more today. It's been great. It's been awesome. Uh, Again, I said this yesterday, and I'll say it again here at the end. I hate the circumstances, right? I hate that we're having to call in and and get into everybody about uh, about the game on Saturday, and we can't get hyped up for Saturday for the Iron Bowl. But starting tomorrow on this program, we will. Okay, we will. 
I I I promise you. So you're saying we'll get there, Jacob? We're going to we'll get there. We'll be able to there. put this one behind us. We are going to get there. We're just going to go full blown iron bowl. I can't even say it. I'm so rattled. Iron bowl. Yes. And uh, we're just going to put Nick Saban on watch. How there about you go. That? There you go. And, and and that's how it should be, right? Because we we have talked about it all day. How if you let this one linger and you let this one hang around and you hang your head and you sulk and you're upset and you're like, wow, we are. We, I can't believe we lost that game. If you walk into the Iron Bowl br- bright-eyed like that and just down in the dumps, Alabama will come in here and beat you by 50, right? And every all the progress you've made will be gone. But if you can put it behind you and you can forget about it, and Alabama's not going to let you forget about it, you just got to get over that and, and just don't listen to them for a little bit. Come in and play some competitive football on Saturday and give yourself a chance, then you never know. And that's what we're going to do on this program starting tomorrow, no show Thursday, and the show on Friday. We're going to talk about how Auburn can beat Alabama because I think they can. I think they can. It's going to take a lot, Uncle T. It's going to take a lot. It's going to take, first of all, we'll just give a little teaser. You can't have the penalties like you had. No. And and help extend drives to it. Any good football team, especially one like Alabama, mm-hmm. you got to play sharp, sharp football, which means you better be having sharp practices. I'm sure they got our show on on over there at the practice facility right now. While oh, yeah. Getting ready. Hugh Freeze plays it in his office. Yeah, he's, he's totally listening <laughs> to it. But they better have some good practices this week and just be able to put it all behind them. Yeah. We've had a couple days to to kind of sit in it and think about it and discuss it. But tomorrow's a new day, my friend. Yeah, I'm tomorrow, tired of it. tomorrow Let's we turn on. the page to the Iron Bowl when Auburn plays Alabama in Jordan Hare Stadium. Shows tomorrow, shows on Friday, no shows on Thursday for Thanksgiving. So I'm looking forward to it. And we're gonna have some fun over the next two days. But it's the biggest yeah. week of the year. Biggest week hey, of the year. It's supposed to be fun. That's right? right. It's supposed to be a class game. It normally is. It's usually a very clean played game. Occasionally you have a crazy psycho come in and poison part of your community. But other than that, it's supposed to be class and fun. Tomorrow, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN 106.7. He's Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Goins. Until then, stay safe, and I'll talk to you later.